A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello everyone, Charles Watts here. Welcome back to Inside Arsenal. It is Sunday. I hope wherever you're watching or listening to this around the world, you are having a very good weekend. And why shouldn't you be after what happened at Turf Moor yesterday? Arsenal winning 5-0. Absolutely smashing Burnley. Adding to that six they put past West Ham last weekend and making it five successive league wins to start the year for the first time in the club's history. Scored 21 goals in those five games and conceded just two. Safe to say Mikel Arteta's side are in very, very good form right now. Plenty to discuss today. We'll go over the game, look at some of the big talking points, look what Mikel had to say afterwards. Uh, we've got plenty of questions and comments and opinions from you guys on what you saw as well. Go over my player ratings as well. I did do video or podcast. If you haven't heard or listened to it yet, then it is down there. I did that live from the press box at Turf Moor after the game, giving my immediate reaction to what we saw. And what we saw was a really thumping, thumping Arsenal win. 5-0. Could have been more. Absolutely dominant from the start. Burnley didn't even have a shot on target. It means Arsenal faced just two shots on target in their last three games. Those matches against Liverpool, West Ham and Burnley. David Raya has only had to face two shots on target. That's how good Arsenal are defensively at the moment. Not just defensively, but all over the pitch because defence, as the cliche goes, starts from the front and Arsenal are absolutely hunting impacts right now. Teams finding it very, very difficult to get through them, to break them down and to even get a sight at David Raya's goal. Um, that's how good Arsenal are playing. And going forward, it is very much clicking. Like I said, 21 goals in five games now, they were in really, really good form. Again, looked dangerous all over the pitch yesterday. The goals came from Odegaard, Saka, Trossard, Havertz. Um, they just looked threatening every time they went forward. You know, Odegaard set the ball rolling in the fifth minute. And just from that moment, it was the first attack, basically. And it just set the tone. It was like, this is what we're here. This is what we're here for. We're going to beat you. We're going to score past you. And it just set the tone. It rocked Burnley and they never recovered from it. And Arsenal just grew and grew and grew in confidence. The second goal was crucial, the penalty before half time, because Arsenal played which dominated so much in that first half. I think if they had got in and it was only 1-0, I think they'd have been a bit disappointed. And Burnley would have probably sat in that change room thinking, you know what, we're still in this. They've been they've completely outplayed us, but there's only one goal in it. We're still in it. Getting that second goal, giving themselves a little bit of breathing space, I think was really, really crucial. And it was, um, so yeah, I think that was very important when Saka 
tuck that one away. I haven't watched a replay of it, actually. I said yesterday in my ratings videos that I was a really good penalty from Saka, but I haven't watched a replay. If James Trafford um, had actually continued to go, because he, he set off in that way, and then he stopped just a split second, he hesitated, and then he dived again. And had he just gone with his instinct and dived, and it sort of first time without that little stop, he probably would have got his hand to it, you know, probably would, would have saved it, but he didn't. Thankfully for Arsenal, it was 2-0 at halftime. And of course, they ran away with it in the second half with another goal from Saka. Kai Havertz adding the fifth and Leandro Trossard making it 4-0. Um, just a really, really good performance. So when you look at the levels of domination Arsenal had, 65% possession, seven shots on target, scored five of them. Burnley, no shots on target. They had eight shots. Burnley, I find it quite surprising they had eight shots. I honestly can't remember them <laughs> at all. Um, they had a couple right sort of late on in the last sort of five minutes or so that, that they put, well, I can't remember them having eight shots. Arsenal had 16. Uh, you know, Arsenal dominating possession touches, as you can imagine. Uh, just a thoroughly dominant performance. When you look at the sort of XG from it, Arsenal 2.47 XG, Burnley down there 0.28 XG. Um, again, just real sort of highlights how difficult Arsenal are to play play against right now and to get to to get through. When you've only conceded two shots on target in the last 270 minutes of football, and one of those games was against Liverpool, it really does show what you were doing right in defence and in midfield and in, and in attack. Like I said, it did start from the attack yesterday, just a hustle of Martin Odegaard, Kai Havertz, um, Bakai Saka, Gabriel Martinelli, just constantly winning the ball back. Kai Havertz as well, of course, who was just everywhere Kai Havertz, involved in all five goals yesterday when you watched it. Um, and it was just absolutely everywhere. And it was just a really, really fantastic performance from Arsenal. One they can feel very, very happy about and one they do feel very, very happy about. So what Mikel Arteta had to say, he said, yeah, really happy, obviously, with the performance and the result with the individual and collective as well. The contribution of every single player has been very, very good. And the fact the team looked like they wanted it more. They weren't satisfied. They wanted to score more and didn't want to concede a goal. So I'm really pleased to see that consistency. He was asked about whether the domination is pleasing the boss, uh, you know, whether the domination is pleasing him or the goals are pleasing him the most. He says, yes, obviously we want to dominate the game and play in the opponent's half as much as possible. I think the threat, the purpose, the activity and the connections of the players at the moment is flowing and they really want it. We have momentum now and we have to maintain it. Now we leave the Premier League and go to Porto. We know it's going to be a really tough environment and game to play again. We just need to prepare and go well again and be ourselves. When he's talking there about how just wants to play the game in the opponent's half. That's what Arsenal are doing so well at the moment. That's why they're not conceding many shots on target and not giving many opportunities because they are just the midfield and the forward, like I said, the pressing, the winning the ball back is so on point at the moment. The teams just can't get through them. And when they do get through them, Arsenal just win it back really quickly anyway with the quality of um, Saliba, Gabriel White, who's on top of his game, and Kivior, who's playing fantastically well at the moment as well. It's just constantly getting the ball back as quickly as possible and then just setting off on another attack. And that's been a real theme of Arsenal's last two away games, especially, well, and against Liverpool, but the last two away games as well. West Ham and Burnley, they just couldn't get out. They, was not, they were unable to sort of put together any passage of play, really, that saw them dominate territory and have Arsenal camp back in a half. It just wasn't possible because of the speed of Arsenal winning the ball back, the quality of Declan Rice, the quality of Martin Odegaard, of Havertz in that midfield area. Um, it was just really, really apparent yesterday against Burnley as well. And um, and yeah, I think that was such a key part in what Arsenal did well at Turf Moor and what they've done so well in the, sort of since the turn of the year, basically, but certainly in the last three games. Odegaard was just exceptional. He really, really was. I mean, he's been exceptional for a long, long time. And um, 
now and he's he's getting what he deserves now he's getting he's getting himself assists people are scoring the chances that he's been that he's creating for them and it's not just about actually creating chances and getting assists next to your name it's the, all the work he does off the ball you know he stayed on again for 90 minutes yesterday and you, you just watch his work rate how he leads the press every single time it was really good that Matt I thought that analysis on match of the day last night if you haven't seen it yet you should watch it really highlighted what Odegaard is doing for this Arsenal team and the work rate that he puts in and the leadership that he shows on the pitch of his level of performance. He's just an unreal, unreal footballer, Martin Odegaard, um, on all levels, you know, technically fantastic. But that only gets you so, a certain way, I would say, in, in game. You can be technically, you can be so gifted, you can have all the skills you want, you know, you can be... So, so many times you see really excellent footballers not live up to their talent because they just don't work hard. They don't put everything into it. Martin Odegaard does not leave an inch out there. You know, he puts everything into every performance, even when things don't work out for him and he doesn't do too much in the final third. You can never, ever criticise his work rate and what he does for the team. But at the moment, everything's working for him. He's at the very, very top of his game. He's operating at the peak of his powers and he was just superb yesterday. You know, that goal just set the tone. It was such a lovely finish as well from Odegaard. The the touch, the way he just, with his studs basically, he just killed it dead and then pinged it into that bottom corner. You know, so early on in the game as well, sometimes you can, yeah, it, you know, it takes a while for a player to get into a game and you know, chances can come early and they're not quite ready for it, but he was ready for it and he just set the tone with that performance and uh, for that performance and he deserved a huge amount of credit. It was no surprise that he was named man of the match after the game. Um, he was comfortably the best player on the pitch. There are other fantastic players as well, you know, Bukaya Saka, and I'll talk about my player ratings at the moment. Uh, in a moment, you know, Saka was fantastic, Rice was fantastic, Ode- um, Havertz was fantastic. But Martin Odegaard, like I said, the level he's operating at the moment is just out of this world. And um, yeah, if he continues to play like this, then Arsenal got such a good chance of doing something very, very special this year because um, he's that good, in my opinion. And when you look at the goals, I mean, 21 there in the last five matches for Arsenal and they've spread those goals around as well, which is really, really impressive. Bukaya Saka obviously scoring plenty now. I think he's, that was the first time, this is the first time he scored in four successive Premier League games. He scored two at West Ham, scored another two yesterday. Odegaard scoring, you know, Jay-Z scored before he got injured. Trossard has come in and been fantastic. Martinelli's been scoring. The defenders have been scoring. Um, you know, we've had to wait a while. The first half of the season... Probably the goals, the amount of goals weren't going in that we were hoping for. But since the turn of the year, since they've got back from Dubai, God knows what they did in Dubai. <laughs> I know they like going to Dubai. I know Mikel Arteta likes going to Dubai. But my word, I don't think even he could have imagined the break would have done the team this level of good. Um, they've just come back and they just look so refreshed. The movement that they're showing, the fluidity in the attack. You know, there's a big question mark over what happens when Gabriel Jesus comes gets back fit at the moment you think back to last season when Trossard was playing as a false nine and this is why I've been saying for a long time Trossard should be playing at false nine he's such a good player and it's his best position absolutely his best position I'm convinced of it you think back to last season when Arsenal were playing so so well and Saka was scoring Martinelli was scoring and Trossard was in that false nine when Mikel changed it when Jesus came back and I'm not saying it was Jesus's fault that Arsenal sort of the the wheels fell off a little bit but when Jesus came back in the team that was a moment when the the season started to unravel and it wasn't really his fault because he scored in the goal. You look back at the games against Liverpool at Anfield, the 2-2, West Ham, the 2-2, he scored in those games. So he did his job as a forward, he scored. But you kind of look at that and think, you know, what is, is it, it's not exactly an easy decision. And that says a lot about Leandro Trostar that it's not going to be an easy decision when Gabriel Jesus does come back fit, get back fit and he's fully available again. 
he doesn't just necessarily walk back into the side because of the performances that Trossard's putting in. He's such a clever player. He just makes other players around him look good, I think. And I really do think that Martinelli and Saka benefit from the movement that Trossard puts in and the fact that they can all sort of float around and interchange in those positions. Um, and he's played a big part in it. But so is Kai Havertz. You know, Kai Havertz, like I said, he was involved in all five goals yesterday. He absolutely deserved his goal at the end. And you look at... Um, the part he played in the other goals as well. You might not have noticed him until you sort of go back and watch him, you know, starting to move off for the fourth goal by winning a header and then getting himself into the box. And it was his shot that was blocked that fell to Leandro Trossard. The move for the third goal, his little lovely little sort of touch and pass to Odegaard before the ball gets set off to um, Bakaya Saka. The second goal for the penalty, his move, his run from deep beyond the back line. He was doing that all game in the first half and Burnley just couldn't pick him up. There was a couple of Moments where had his touch been a little bit better, he would have been in and should have been able to get a shot away. His touch let him down on a couple of occasions, but he kept going, he kept doing it and Burnley just couldn't handle it. And that led to uh, him playing in Trossard for the um, for the penalty. And even in the first go, in the, in the first goal, he was involved at the start of that move as well. He just, he's all over the pitch, Guy Havertz. People are beginning to notice, I think now, the work he's doing more off the ball and how beneficial that is to Arsenal. And obviously it helps when you finish your chances as well, like he did with that fifth goal. And, um, yeah, he's playing really, really well, Kai Havertz at the moment. And I just love that. I love the way the forward line looks at the moment in terms of how they're moving and how fluid it is. It's, uh, yeah, and Arsenal are obviously reaping the benefit and teams are really struggling to defend against it. Player ratings-wise, I mean, I did my video yesterday, so I'm not going to do too much on it, but I know you guys like me to talk about it on this one as well. So I'll go through them. I've given, I gave Raya a seven, White a seven, Saliba a seven, and Gabriel a seven in the back. Um, and before people complain, remember, seven, in my mind, that is a very good score. That's what, that's above average. That's a decent performance. You know, Raya didn't have a shot to, to save um, in that game. He didn't have, they didn't have a shot on target. But what he did do, he did very, very well. His distribution was excellent. His quick throws were excellent. Um, and uh, and he just looks really calm back there now and has really settled into this team. And I think Arsenal's defence are really... Uh, they just look like they're trusting him behind them now, which might not be the case at the first, which is understandable because you've got to get used to a new player coming in. And you've been so used to one goalkeeper and suddenly another one comes in that's pretty unexpected. It takes a while to get used to it and adjust to it. But they look like they have adjusted to it now. They look very, very comfortable playing together. Uh, ben White, which I thought was excellent. Saliba and Gabriel, given a little bit of trouble by Fafana. It was, it was a good contest. I enjoyed it. I thought Fafana put himself about well. And um, there was a couple of times he got the better of Saliba. And um, and it was it was just a good battle to watch. I thought Kivior was excellent. I thought he's playing really well, Kivior. I've mentioned it in yesterday's show, how I um, he just looks like a player. For the first time, probably, since he's been at Arsenal, I think, Jakob Kivior, that he just looks like he actually believes that he should be in this team, that he, that he feels like he's worth a place in this team, and his confidence has gone up. Just the way he's carrying himself and walking around, he just looks more confident. You see him celebrating tackles now and going up and celebrating with Gabriel and William Saliba when they do something. And it, it's a little thing, but I think that shows a lot about how he suddenly just, he feels like part of the team now, where maybe he felt a bit of an outsider before, didn't quite have the confidence levels to do something like that. But now he's really showing himself and he's showing that desire and he's celebrating with his teammates. And um, and I think that says a lot about where he is right now in terms of his sort of mental space and how he feels around the place. And he got his, he got the assist for Kai Havertz, quick thinking, lovely throw for the um uh, for Havertz's goal as well. So I gave Kivior an eight. Rice was brilliant, especially in the first half. Right was that right. When it was more of a contest, Rice was fantastic in that first half. Absolutely dominant. Gave him an eight. Odegaard man of match nine. Um just superb from Odegaard. Absolutely, as I said, set the tone and was just brilliant throughout. Havertz gave an eight, involved in all the goals, scored himself. Um 
and yeah, it's just great to see Kai Havertz playing so well and looking such a you know worthwhile piece of this team at the moment. Martinelli, Trossard, I gave a seven. I, I did think Martinelli played very well. I said yesterday when I was doing my ratings video that maybe out of all the ones I'm thinking could be being a little bit harsh on, Martinelli could be an eight because he did cause Burnley all sorts of problems all afternoon. Uh, but I gave him a seven. Trossard, I gave a seven. Good to see Trossard get his goal because he missed a couple of big chances and he could have let his head drop, but he didn't. Um, and so it's good to see him get his goal. And then Saka, I gave a nine. Uh, so certainly the closest player to Odegaard on the pitch, I thought yesterday, um, Saka. And uh, yeah, two brilliant goals. Well, certainly the second goal, brilliant goal. And um, continues his rich vein of form. So that's how the league table looks. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it after Liverpool's win at Brentford. And more importantly, perhaps... Manchester City's home draw with Chelsea. I was listening to that on the radio on the way home uh, on the motorway yesterday. God, driving conditions were so, so bad coming back from Burnley yesterday to London. It was scary, believe me. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so I was listening to that on the radio. A bit disappointed when City eventually broke Chelsea's resistance and got that equaliser. I was expecting it. It sounded like it was inevitable. I mean, Erling Haaland missed some absolute sitters in that game, which you don't normally get. So uh, it's frustrating as it was that City did get a late goal, you probably look at it and think, well, in another in another way, in another day, those sort of chances fall to Erling Haaland. He scores them and Manchester City win that game. So it's good for Arsenal. City dropping points. Um, first time this year that they've done that and Arsenal sitting second. City do have that game in hand. So you think this week, I think they play Luton, don't they, on Tuesday or Wednesday. They will go back above Arsenal uh, should they win that game, which you would expect they certainly will. But that's it. That's how tight it is now. If they do win that game, it's going to be 57 points, 56 points, 55 points. It is all to play for in the Premier League title race. Spurs dropping further back yesterday after that defeat against Wolves. Um, got a question about Pedro Neto, actually. I'm going to talk about at the end of this show, who was uh, absolutely brilliant once again for Wolves yesterday in that win at Spurs. Right, moving on to some of your um, comments about what you saw yesterday and how you were feeling after that game. And it's uh, Nesai, I think, at the top there says, we definitely mean business and we are serious about the job at hand. Proud of the boys, dominating and destroying teams, including Liverpool. We haven't even got our full squad back yet. Let's take it one game at a time. Porto next. Uni says, shout out to Kai. He has been the facilitator in our recent run. Football tutorial said, I think Odegaard's goal was actually the best of the bunch. The technique to hit it on the volley and place it so accurately in the bottom corner. World class from the skipper. And Tom shouts out to Jakub Kivior. Says, Kivior especially impressed me. I thought Fafana troubled Saliba and Gabriel a bit, but Kivi cleared up more than one occasion. Very impressed. Yeah, very worthwhile. As I said, deserves his shout out, um, Jakub Kivior. Did think he was really, really good yesterday. And uh, in, on uh, football tutorials, one there about Odegaard, I said after the game that I thought Havertz's was probably the pick of the bunch. I mean, it's a coin toss, really, between Saka's second, uh, um, Havertz's and Odegaard's. But yeah, I think I was sleeping a little bit on how good Odegaard's goal was yesterday when I did my sort of immediate reaction from the game. I hadn't really watched it too many times on the replays because tiny little TV screens in the press box at Burnley. So I hadn't really seen it too well. Uh, but when you sort of watch it on a decent TV and see the technique and the way he touched it and killed that pass from Martinelli before driving it in, it was a fantastic goal from Martin Odegaard. So yes, he does deserve a lot of praise for that finish. Uh, Raji says, hi, Charles. Has Kivior playing left back and white and inverted role clipped our attack and defence? I mean, it could well be the they, I mean, Saka's certainly benefiting from it. And you look at it, how it has switched around in recent times, what Kivior in. I mean, it makes perfect sense that I've spoken about before doing it because he, 
You know, Kivio is a centre back playing left back. There's, you know, and he's doing it, and he's he's doing the job well. But you can only ask a player to do certain amounts of things, and he's been trying to play that inverted role. We've seen him try and do it at times this season and struggled. So it just makes perfect sense. I think when you look at the players, and it's no disrespect to Kivio, Ben White is the better technically gifted player when it comes to defending and moving forward. So it just makes sense to ask him to play potentially the more difficult role and just let Kivio focus on what he does best, and that is defending. And it certainly worked Arsenal defensively, I think, at the moment, asking the two players to do that. But it seems to have clicked the attack into gear as well because Saka's suddenly getting a lot more space with Ben White inverting, taking a defender, an extra player into the central areas, leaving ben, leaving Bukai Saka with more space. The space he's had to work in against West Ham and Burnley. Yeah, he must be he must have been dreaming of that amount of space through the first half of the season because he just wasn't getting it because of the um because he had Ben, you know, Ben White was playing the usual role. Um so yeah, it could well be the thing. It certainly made a big difference, no doubt about it. Um and it'll be interesting to see what happens that you know, when Zinchenko gets back fit, when Tomiyasu gets back fit, does he take Kivior outside? I mean, that I think that says a lot about how well Kivior is playing. It's the biggest compliment you can pay him at the moment, is that it's probably not a foregone conclusion right now when those players get fit that they walk straight back into the side, such is the form of uh Jakob Kivior. Lucas here says, Hi Charles, great win. I have a question. Do you think we are now more free-flowing? Without Jesus up top, Trossard and Kai, we look so dangerous. I know it's crazy, but I keep this team for Porto. They link up so well. Come on, you gunners. Also, Arsenal haven't lost since the birth of my daughter, 9th of Jan. Maybe our lucky charm. Keep up the great work. Top man. Congratulations, Lucas, on becoming a father. If that was your first, I don't know. But if it was, congratulations. Uh, I hope you're sleeping all right. Uh, I certainly remember those days when newborn in the house. Certainly didn't sleep all right. And uh, yeah. Minus seven and eight now. They're still barely sleeping. So I'd like to say it gets better, but in my case, it doesn't. Um, uh, I'll be more free-flowing without Jesus up top. I don't know. Look, I mean, you think back to Jesus' last performance against Nottingham Forest. He was man of the match. He scored. He got the assist. Um, I think it's easy to, when a player's out, to think that is the reason that Arsenal is suddenly clicking. I mean, I love Trossard. And as I said early on, it's it, it does present an interesting decision for Mikel Arteta to make when Jesus does come back fit. I mean, Jesus is Arsenal's best striker. There's no doubt about that. Even if he doesn't score the amount of goals, we all kind of hoped he would. He's still Arsenal's best striker and he's a fantastic player. And he can do the stuff that Trossard does. You know, he's, he's not an out-and-out penalty box striker. He can do the stuff that Trossard does. Um, the thing with Jesus is you always wonder if he's trying to play himself back into fitness at the moment, such as the amount of injuries he has. And he suddenly, it's just stop, start, stop, start. At the moment, Trossard is fully fit. He is flying and he's playing really well. And so if you bring Jesus back into the side now, you can tell he's going to take a few games to get up to speed. He's going to be working on his match sharpness and his fitness. So I don't think it is um, a foregone conclusion that he comes back into the side. And I do think maybe Arsenal are playing such free-flowing football right now because everyone is at the top of their game who are playing and they're all fully fit and they're absolutely in the groove. And you suddenly put Jesus back into that mix and you've got a player trying to work his way back into form and work his way back into fitness. And that might just hamper the good stuff that we've seen so far. So it's an interesting one. But again, look, Lucas, congratulations, mate. Hope all is well with you and the family. Uh, Afro Vibe, as it says, we are scoring ridiculous numbers of goals without the following. Jesus, Sinchenko, Tommy, Party, Vieira, Timber. Imagine when at least four out of six players return in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, it's fantastic that Arsenal are doing this with all those players who are missing. I mean, I sat there and watched the Liverpool game yesterday and everyone was talking about Liverpool's injuries. and They got lost another couple yesterday and they're, they're starting to pile up. I was just thinking, well, what about Arsenal? The players ever? I mean, you throw Smith Rowe into that mix. He wasn't available until yesterday as well. 
Um, so the Arsenal have had lots of really key players in, um, missing in that game. I mean, you think about it, Jesus, Zinchenko, potentially Tommy Asu and uh, Timber when he's fit and party. They're all starters almost in that start, in a starting eleven, or players at the start of the season you would consider probably starters in the starting eleven. So um, that shows how the quality of their squad right now. And when these players do come back, it's going to be such a boost for Arsenal and it's going to make, you know, the strength and depth they're going to have. And the good thing is that they're all very, very close now as well, all of them. Um, you know, some of them were close to making it yesterday. I think that Mikel took the decision not to include them because he had one eye on Porto. And I wouldn't be surprised. There's open training on Tuesday at um, London Colney before the team fly out because it's a Champions League game. The cameras are going to be down there and they're going to be see who's training. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if we see some players who didn't weren't um, in the squad yesterday in that training session because from what I understand, they have been training this week at London Colney. But Mikel's just chosen to sort of leave him out of yesterday's trip with one eye on the Porto game. So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, Aaron says, Charles, I think we, I think you saw Neto's performance yesterday. We should sign Pedro Neto and have a standout performance demolishing Tottenham after Chelsea and Man City. Don't care much about the injury record now. We'll be the perfect signing as backup on competition for Saka and Martinelli. He's a player that will take us to the next level and add another fierce attacking option. Relationship with Edu and Jorge Mendes will also help us out. Yeah, look, I can't. I can't um, disagree with anything you said there. And you all know I'm a really big Pedro Neto fan. The more this season's going on, the more I'm watching him, the more I think he's perfect for Arsenal. He can play on the right, he can play on the left. He's got that out-and-out searing pace that we saw that led to the second goal yesterday for Wolves at Tottenham. He's good with both feet. Uh, really clever player. I just think he's the sort of player Arsenal need this summer to really take the squad to another level. Because, you know, you can bring him into the starting lineup. You can rest Saka and Martinelli and your, the level just doesn't drop. He's that good. And that's the sort of player Arsenal need in the transfer window this summer to really take themselves up to the next level, to continue to try and close that gap that exists between the strength of their squad and the strength of Manchester City's squad. All right. Thank you, all of you who got involved in today's show. Appreciate that. If you want to get involved tomorrow, then please do. We'll start really focusing our attentions to Porto. I think me and James Bend are going to sit down tomorrow and pre-record an episode of Inside Arsenal Extra Time, which is going to go out on Tuesday, because I'm flying to Portugal Tuesday morning to get over in time for the press conference ahead of the game, uh, which is going to be the press conference on Tuesday night. So I'm flying out on Tuesday, so I'm not going to be able to record a show because I'm leaving early doors. So I'm going to try and pre-record Inside Arsenal Extra Time with James Benj tomorrow afternoon, and we're going to really sort of focus on that Porto game. So anything you want to include in that show, anything you want us to discuss, as usual, leave a comment below with the word Extra Time, and uh, whatever you want us to talk about. That's it. Thank you very much for watching and for listening. Appreciate your time. As always, do have a very good end to your weekend. I'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again. Bye-bye. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.